Welcome to Bliss Beyond Fear. Your hosts, Des, a transformational life coach, and Gina Marie, a personal development mentor, are here to help you have confidence, embrace your worth, and find your joy. Des and Gina Marie are fierce friends and lifestyle entrepreneurs that will encourage you to have faith, elevate your mindset, and take action so you can achieve the results you desire. They believe that an abundant life is sustained by overcoming your fears through creating a circle that elevates you and rises with you. Your blissful journey begins now. Welcome Welcome. back, everyone, to another episode of the Bliss Beyond Fear podcast. We're excited today because we're actually hitting on a topic with an expert that we haven't covered on the podcast before. Much needed subject, too. Your money, honey. Your money, honey. Your financials. And here's the thing, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about relationships and feelings and COVID and the pandemic. And a lot of people at this time are figuring out either how to rebuild, you know, businesses that might have been affected, maybe even start by becoming an entrepreneur and pivoting and doing something totally different. And all of that is important in the context of how you're managing your Your money, money. your Mm -hmm. financial health, your wealth, how you think about your future, and all of that. So uh, without further ado, we want to introduce our special guest today, and we'll dive right into our interview. Sari Abraham is a financial planner and a member of the Bank on Yourself organization. He helps real estate investors business owners, and full-time employees grow safe and predictable wealth regardless of market conditions using a financial strategy that has been around for over 160 years. Sari started this journey when he was in grad school completing his MBA. He worked for companies like Allstate, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna HealthSpring, and Humana before founding Financial Asset Protection, a financial services firm that focuses on one sole concept, the bank on yourself concept, also known as the infinite banking concept. That is awesome. I love that. Bank on yourself. Wow. That just sounds We great. can't wait to hear your story. How did how did this all begin? Yeah, thank you for that nice introduction. Um, so pretty much started uh, when I was in grad school and doing my MBA. And pretty much then after that, started working at a couple companies, like you mentioned, Allstate, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and a few others. And I was like a Medicare consultant for a few clients. And one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. And he mentioned there's a type of life insurance that has cash value that builds up over time. And I wasn't really sure what he was referring to because I I wasn't that competent in life insurance at that time, but it sounded appealing and it sounded kind of useful. So I told him I would do more research and I'd get back to him. And I went to Amazon and I searched for books about life insurance. And I came across this one book called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And the book pretty much talks about utilizing this uh, strategy of called bank on yourself and the ability to kind of make more, keep more of your money and have it grow over time without worrying about the stock market. 
and, and as I was flipping through this book, I was like, this is very useful for a lot of people. And I wanted to not only utilize this as a client, but also as an advisor. I wanted to add this within our portfolio. And then I founded the company Financial Asset Protection. And our main focus is using this bank on yourself strategy. Wow. That's amazing. That's just so cool to take something that you know people need and figure out how to share that. Um, yeah, that what you described is actually really interesting because that's something I had spent more time researching and just did some updates to my own portfolio in that area. So we're glad that you're going to help people understand that. But one of the things uh, that you shared with us when we had a chance to connect with you previously is about failure that you experienced. And the, it wasn't like you just read a book started a company and everything was successful. There was some situations where you had to... What, you mean you, know, you didn't just start and no failures and everything was perfect? Just, he picked up a book on Amazon and everything was right and in overnight, world? Like, oh, it was this magical, king, this magical kingdom happened <laughs> and all this money just rained from the sky and... He lives in a mansion on this a hill. This is our favorite part. We love to hear the fortitude and you know, yeah. in success. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about your journey and the failure along the way to help our listener get a sense of that. Yeah, I I, I wish it was that easy, <laughs> uh, but of course it's not. There. So when I started my first business before, I gotta get into this. It was more on the Medicare consulting side. And I, I failed. I failed at it because I didn't have enough clients to kind of sustain the business. So I had to kind of put it on hold and then go do other jobs in the meantime. But I always wanted to come back to it. And I did. And I ended up coming back to it. I still am a Medicare consultant and I still help clients with financial solutions. But I pretty much, what I, what I did was I made a list of all the failures, all the mistakes that I had, had happened and then I told myself that I would do the opposite of those things to almost ensure success. So it was like just like not a matter of if it'll work, but a matter of when it'll work. So it didn't work the first time, and it's starting to work now the second time. And that's my kind of opinion on failure is that if it's not working, it doesn't mean it's never going to work. It just didn't work at that specific time. And there's really no reason why you shouldn't do it again, practice that again, start that business again, or do that other endeavor you had planned to do. Uh, just because it didn't work the first time. And that also, it wasn't just a business lesson. It was also like a life lesson too. Like you don't need to make it work the first time. Uh, and, and I've noticed too from successful people I work with, they they do things like 20 times over and over again until it works. And they just really have no um, de deadline or end period for it to work or not to work. It's just a matter of how many times until it does work. And these are really powerful strategies that help people get ahead kind of in life. Yeah. So, so you said you, you wrote a list down, like, give me an example. Yeah. Did you have like a book and you journaled it? And like, like what would be an example of what you would write down? Yeah, definitely. Write down? So one mistake I made, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a marketing plan, a budgeting plan. I didn't have a set schedule. Um, I didn't, uh, let's see. Um, I didn't have a mentor mm. and I come a couple others. I didn't have any other sources of income or any savings or cash reserves. I didn't anticipate those would actually be problems. So I think if I did an, the opposite of each one of those, if I actually did have a business plan, a marketing plan, a budgeting plan, a schedule, 
and I do now have all those things. And it's a completely different way of doing business now as opposed to before. But it's almost like one of those things like you don't know it's a problem until you do it. And then you see that it's a problem. And then you can find the solution to, to that problem that you uncovered. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting because when we had interviewed recently someone who started their own business, the first piece of advice he said was, have a plan, have a business plan. So there you go, right? I mean, it's some some basic stuff, but I think what I'm hearing from you that's important is that fortitude to get started. People talk themselves out of doing things because they want it to be perfect. And what you did was recognize that it probably wasn't going to be and you just kept continuing to learn from what didn't end up working. What what gave you the confidence, like as you were failing, to not go? You know what? I'm just this. This I'm is done. not for me. I mm-hmm. can't. I can't handle this failure. What What gave you the confidence to continue to pursue it? The objective of why I was doing it in the first place. That's what gave me the confidence. So the reason why I was doing all of this was to find more financial freedom in life, and I didn't think that the failures I faced were enough to stop me from reaching that objective. Your why was bigger mm-hmm. than the failures. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And knowing your why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's important. start there. Let's Sim- start Simon there. Sinek talks yeah. about that. And so and so you were <laughs> like, I'm just I just want financial freedom. Yeah. And so I'm gonna get it. That's it. That's gonna give me the confidence. Mm-hmm. Just focus on that. Mm-hmm. You were committed to that. Oh my gosh. Love it. Doesn't that sound simple? But yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah, it's it's more difficult, you know, than than it than it sounds. But but I think that's an important thing to come back to is the why. Okay, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more. Help us understand how you help people. So what's the what is some of the primary challenges that our listener can relate to of what financial struggles they might go through? and would have to come to you to get assistance for? Yeah, so so far what I've seen from a lot of my clients working with them, the biggest struggle financially is kind of like the lack of, of knowledge on their own financial plans and where they want to go. And it's not about like where you should be financially, but rather where you want to go financially. So a lot of people have debt and a lot of people have kind of financial problems, but I don't think that's necessarily the problem. It's more about understanding the problems and then understanding what you're going to do to overcome them. So we do have something called a financial analysis meeting. It takes about 60 to 90 minutes to do, and it's pretty much us just asking questions, getting to know the, the client and their financial situation. And this is the most important piece of the entire puzzle. It's it's the financial analysis part on understanding what the client wants and needs and what certain things mean to them. So everybody has a different definition for being financially successful or retirement or kind of having financial freedom. All these words mean different things to different people. And my recommendation to the listeners is identify what these things mean to you individually and and take your time when you do this. And it's not a, just a one-time thing where you just do it once every 10 years or just once in general in your life. It's something where you kind of review daily or weekly or monthly, kind of on a repetitive process, a recurring process where you can kind of see what you, where you want to go and what you want to do. So that way you're more likely to get to what you want if you know exactly what it is you want and you know why you want it. Back to the why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's certain areas, maybe, at least we've heard from folks that we've talked to, that 
people are better in than others. So for example, the same way that you might set goals for your health, that's kind of a common thing that we talk about mm -hmm. frequently, is to do that same process for your financial piece is knowing what does that situation look like? Do I even know? Write Where, that down. What's my goal? And write yeah. it down. So can you give us an example of what somebody might might write down? And what that would look like if somebody's like listening right now and going, okay, that's great. But what does that even mean? Like, I don't even know. Like, I never even really thought about this. Like, there's money. It's in a bank. I know mm -hmm. that. I know there's enough to pay no, bills. No, I don't have any money. <laughs> okay, that might be it. That might. Are, yeah. you, is that what you're talking about? Like, okay, let's let's see. You're in debt. So write down, get out of debt. Well, probably you should probably know what your debt is. I mean, there's probably, exactly. I don't know. Get out of this debt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then to the goals part, you know, mm -hmm. like, is there a good process for that where people are like, well, I want to, like, for example, so, like a, a overarching thing many folks might say is I would like to buy a home. You know, I want to buy a home in the next three years, or I want to be able to put my child through school, or I don't know, some, some pretty big ticket items that many folks might say to themselves. Yeah, definitely. So people reach out to us for different reasons. You know, somebody might be, you know, in their early 20s and they just want to have, you know, something set for their for their future. Some people might be 60 years old and they're looking to retire in the next 10 years. So this is the financial analysis part. It's us identifying the clients, what they want, what they need. And you mentioned debt. That's a that's a pretty big one, actually. People a lot of times reach out to us because of the, 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 the debt that they have. And we all, we, the first thing we do is we identify how much it is and what it is it. So somebody who has, for example, uh, $500,000 in, in, in a mortgage is going to be completely different than somebody who has $500,000 in credit card debt. And those two make a big differences. And we identify where that debt is at, the interest rates, the flexibility behind it. Like, for example, student loans are typically okay to be spread out on a long-term period because they're looked at differently on your credit report. They're not looked at as a credit card debt or like um, other types of loans. They're looked at more on the, the back end and they don't really affect, they, they could have, if you default on your student loans, they could, they could be negative on your credit, but typically they're in the background and it's okay sometimes to kind of spread it out over a 30 year period. But whereas credit card debt, and that's more of an, a bad, that's more of bad debt. And that needs to be addressed immediately. So we come across these things and we kind of add in our advice too. But what comes first is the client understanding where they want to go and how they're going to get there. There's a big difference between like coaching somebody and consulting somebody, right? Consulting somebody is like, hey, you should do A, B, and C, or you should do, you should do X, Y, and Z. And coaching is what do you want to do and why do you want to do it and how are you going to get there and what are some things that you're going to implement and what has worked for you in the past, things like that. And then the difference is when you consult somebody, they just take what you say, do it and implement it. Mm -hmm. But when you coach somebody, they take what you're saying and then they own that now. Yeah. Because they came up with the process. They came up with the answers. We consider ourselves more as financial coaches than financial consultants. That's awesome. Everybody needs a financial coach. Everybody <laughs> needs coaches in all areas yeah. of right. their lives. I know, right? right? I've got one for this and one mm -hmm. for that. Yes. Yeah. Right? If you want to be good at something, uh -huh. you get coached in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's great. So there, there's people right now thinking, okay, I'm listening to Sorry Talk and I, 
this is making sense to me. I'm ready. I'm in a place where I want to do this. So the first step that they take is, uh, do you see people try to do something on their own first before they reach out to somebody like you? Like, do they usually come and kind of give you something and they're like, I've tried this. It doesn't work. Or do you do people just like, I don't know what I'm doing. There are probably a bunch of different situations. Most of the time, it's people that don't know what they're doing and they don't even kind of know where to start. And that's fine. This is stuff. This is a subject that we're not taught in school. We're not taught about this in college. Even for people who went to school for business aren't taught about this on a personal level. So that's a fine. And and even if you're not going to implement an actual solution, I think it's, it will make a big difference if you just reach out to somebody. And there's a lot of free resources out there where you can just reach out to people to talk about where you want to go financially. And I used to do this a lot. I used to just reach out to like different um, like volunteer coaches, financial coaches, just to kind of get an idea of what to do. And it was helpful. Even if you just gain like a, a 5%, if it benefits you just in a small amount, it helps you because it just, it, it changes the way you think. And mindset is a huge factor when it comes to your financial life. Meaning that where you are financially is based off of what you believe in and your mindset of, of how you perceive money and other things in life. So if you understand what it is, if you understand that and you're able to kind of dig into that with the help of somebody, you can reach more of your financial goals. For example, a lot of people are just like, you know, uh, especially business owners, more money, like more clients, more revenue. That's kind of like the general basic rule. And then like, what happens with that money? Like, what do you do with it? And then how do you spend it? Where does it sit? Where does it live after that? When you answer those questions, you might change up a position. So it's good to have those follow-up questions on what happens after you reach your goals and, and what's next. What's the next plan for you? So what is it? What is a good mindset look like? Like somebody's the, the self-talk, the things that they say in their in their head about the situation. What is a healthy mindset that our listeners should embrace when it comes to this? There's actually a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, and pretty much it's about differentiating fixed mindset from growth mindset. And a fixed mindset is somebody who relies on fixed qualities about themselves, whether where they live, their current financial situation, who they know, where they went to school, things that they can't really change in the moment. It's more about their past and things that they were kind of like born with, their natural abilities, qualities, other things like that. And a fixed mindset would rely on those fixed qualities. Whereas a growth mindset would identify where they want to go, what they want to do, what their dreams are. And then they would look at it from a developmental standpoint, where what do I need to develop to get there? So for example, somebody who's not good at playing basketball, fixed mindset would say, I'm not good at playing basketball. Naturally, I'm not good. Therefore, I need to do something else. Growth mindset would say, I'm not good at playing basketball right now. I want to get better. What do I need? I need a coach. I need to train. I need to follow other people who play basketball really well. And they develop now and they become better at playing basketball. Most athletes actually are on the growth mindset side. Most professional anything is going to be on the growth mindset side. And when it comes to your financial situation, growth uh, fixed mindset people would say that um, I'm not, I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't have, you know, I didn't go to Harvard or MIT or some Ivy League school. So I'm not, I'm just, wealth isn't for me. And it's just something that I'm kind of have to live with and change my life around and, and kind of live within my means. Whereas growth mindset would say, you know, I want to get, to, I want to be a multimillionaire. I want to be a billionaire and I want to get there. What do I need to get there? 
and I'm going to read books. I'm going to have a coach. I'm going to work with different people, professionals, learn from them, uh, network with the right people, partner with the right people to get there. So of course, when you with the, with your money, you want to be always on the growth mindset side. You want to look at not where you're at right now, but where do you want to go and how are you going to get there, and what skills are you going to work on to get there. That's awesome. That is a totally different way of looking at it because money can be very overwhelming, and things when they go negatively, people panic and and don't know what to do. So I love I love that advice and. I want folks to walk away with some new information that they didn't have before they listened to this podcast. And so if you could, in layman's terms, maybe help us understand a little bit more about the expertise that you shared in the beginning of the interview when you said, you know, build, you know, build on yourself and kind of um, tell us a little bit more about that concept and, and what what that means. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so pretty much it's a, it's a bit of a counterintuitive process or counterintuitive approach. It's more of, for example, you, you you would take somebody's objective, right? Of like saying, I want to build wealth over time, but I have, let's say, for example, debt in front of me. And most people would look at that debt as a way that's going to stop them from saving for the future. Meaning it's either I save my money or I pay down my debt. This is just one example. So what if you could do both? What if you could save your money and pay down your debt at the same time? Or what if you could save your money and fund that business you really want or kind of do more than one thing with your money? This is where we come in. We utilize something called the bank on yourself strategy or the infinite banking concept. And it pretty much helps people grow money and use it at the same time. And it's done again through something that's counterintuitive. It's the utilization of cash value, whole life insurance. And people are always like, whoa, I thought we were talking about mindset and building yourself up and what does it have to do with life insurance? And for those of you who don't know, whole life insurance pretty much has two parts to it. It has a cash value part and it has a life insurance part. A lot of people don't actually know about the cash value part. It has like a savings account within the policy that grows over time and earns interest. And we help clients intentionally build out these whole life policies, fund as much cash value as they can in them, and then be able to borrow against that cash value to use to pay down debt, to start a business, to save for the retirement, for whatever it is they want. And then this way they can grow their wealth and use it at the same time. Let's say, for example, somebody's building up a policy and they have like $15,000 in the policy and they also want to start paying down some of their debt. They can borrow against the policy without interrupting the growth of it, use that borrowed money to pay down their debt. Now they're, what they're doing is they're transferring the debt from one place to a place that they own now to their whole life policy. And they keep this going. So now they're paying down debt and increasing their wealth at the same time. Because one thing, let's say, for example, somebody has a large amount of debt. Let's just say it's $50,000 in debt. And let's say they're working so hard and they're paying it down, down to zero. Now they did all this hard work to get to zero. What if there's a way where they could build their wealth and then pay down the debt? So this way, when they're done paying it down, they're out of debt now and they have like $100,000 in retirement income that they could use or income that they could use for their business or whatever the case might be. It's pretty much the point of all of this is being able to do multiple things with your money. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Leverage. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have, I have a policy. Does everybody yeah. have this in their policy or is that a specific policy? Yeah, it, it does have to be a specifically designed policy. There's some things that you need to look at. Like number one, it has to be whole life insurance. 
Number two, it has to be from a mutually owned insurance company, not a stock owned insurance company. So what that means is a mutually owned insurance company gives their dividends and profits back to the customers, the policy owners, whereas stock owned companies give their dividends and profits to the shareholders. So you need to make sure your company, your, your product is with uh, a mutually owned company. And then the third thing is, is that you need to make sure there's something called a paid up additions rider. This is a part that you add to the policy that helps increase the cash value over time significantly because whole life insurance, if it's not structured the right way, it will have very minimal cash returns in it, like very tiny returns in it. But when you add the paid up additions rider, it increases that cash value over time. So you need to make sure those three things are in place to fully utilize the strategy. That's yeah. So I, I went through this whole process and it's fantastic that you're sharing this with folks. So if someone's listening today. I Why think you keep calling them folks. Folks, they're, they're I don't peeps. know where this is coming from. All of I don't sign. know. It's just <laughs> like, my hey, vi- folks. It's my vibe today. <laughs> Sometimes they're the peeps, the <laughs> listeners, the folks, oh, what is this? the hey folks, the out homies, there. the friends, the tribe. <laughs> you, you all are everything. My job is to throw Des off and on her today, questions. Today. You are folks. Um, so if somebody's listening to this kind of on the surface, they're like, they haven't gone to, to, to 101 school. They're, they're sitting there going like, you had me back at whole life insurance. I'm still trying to figure out that whole thing. Okay. So then naturally somebody might go, okay, I'm going to Google that, figure out what's going on with that, make sure I kind of understand. And then how does one determine? So it's kind of like, you know, going and buying food. Like I'm hungry, I want a chicken sandwich, but I could go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, Popeyes, like there's so many places. Like how does one choose where to go to get this wonderful, valuable thing that you're talking about called whole life insurance? There's probably a lot of options and it might be overwhelming, I, I'm, I might imagine. Yeah, definitely. So my, my advice is number one is understand the basics of this concept. And then you could do so by reading a few books. One of them is called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. And the other one is called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And pretty much if you reach out to us at the end of the show, I'll include the website link. And if you reach out to us, I'll send you a free copy of either book you'd like. And and pretty much read that, understand it, kind of the basics. You don't have to become an expert in it, just the basics. And then after that, I would reach out to an advisor who specializes in cash value, whole life insurance for self-banking purposes. There's something called the bank on yourself certification. That's that means somebody, I have a bank on yourself certification. I went through their training program. So I'm licensed to structure out whole life insurance policies for self-banking purposes. There's also a few other ones. So make sure the person you're dealing with actually does this for work. You don't want to go to like a financial advisor that does everything. And then they say, oh yeah, whole life insurance. I can do that for you. Uh, or somebody who's like, you know, at your local bank or something, somebody who does multiple things is probably not going to be able to do this for you. But once you read those books that I recommended, then you can kind of just like casually quiz somebody like, oh, hey, you know, how does the paid up additions writer work or how does this part work and see if they're able to answer it and they're on the same page as you. And if they are, then, you know, that's one good sign that you're dealing with somebody who probably knows what they're doing. And if they don't, if they're like, oh, yeah, you know, um, just do term insurance and we could do something, then it's probably something else that they're going to try to help you with. And it won't be actually helpful. It will, it will kind of move you away from the strategy. Okay. That's good. Okay. So I have, I have another question. Okay. So when I first got my, my insurance policy was after my husband passed away and I was 49. 
the nurse came, did the tests and everything, and I was able to get a, a great policy, you mm-hmm. know, for my kids at a low price because I was in great health. Let's say now I have had a stroke. I started smoking pot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, 55 years old. Like, like, can I, like, what do you do? Can, can anybody just go get these whole life policies or, and how long do you have to have them before you can start borrowing against them? So you can actually start, so I'll answer a couple of ways. Okay. So one, if you have uh, any health conditions, it's not an automatic like rule out. The insurance companies do something called medical underwriting. This is where they're evaluating your health to make sure that it's a good risk for them. And again, if you have certain conditions or if you've gone through certain things, it doesn't automatically rule you out. This is this is another useful part of having a broker or somebody, an advisor who knows, who does this full time because they'll know the different insurance companies, they'll know the underwriters, they'll know the underwriting guidelines, and they can kind of figure out which company, which product, which which. Uh, which kind of way is the best way for you and how to get it approved for you. And then after that, pretty much now you can get a reasonable policy and and start funding it. Now, as far as how much cash value, that depends on how much you're funding it. So somebody, for example, who puts in, you know, half a million dollars into a whole life policy in a single premium form is going to have maybe $480,000 in cash value in year one. So a very high portion versus somebody who's putting in like $300 a month for a policy. I started my first policy with $300 a month. And after about a year, I had about maybe $1,800 in cash value that I could leverage. And it's not much to do for bigger things. I couldn't invest in real estate or start a business with that money, but I was able to start borrowing that money and start using that to pay down some of my credit card debt and start using that for different things. And then now I had the cycle going now of putting money somewhere, borrowing against it, using it, and putting it back in and continuously doing so to help build up uh, my retirement and my cash reserves and to pretty much have it growing for the future. So uh, to answer your question, you could start borrowing day one. If you put in, for example, $500 in the first month, you could turn around that month and borrow a small percentage of that, maybe 200 bucks out of that. But I think the whole point is just starting it and using it and getting that cycle going. That's the most important part. Okay, so you you can start using it. It depends on how much you, you spend a month, right? What kind of policy you get. Mm-hmm. You can start borrowing against it right away. And now when you say borrow against, does that mean that if I were to die, instead of my kids getting a $1 million life insurance policy, they get a $500,000 policy? Or is that money that you get a bill and you have to re- repay? Yeah. So it's a combination of both. So, so for example, if you had like $50,000 in cash value and then you borrowed, for example, like $10,000, um, you could pay that back on your own terms. And we advise that you pay it back. So that way you can keep borrowing more out and putting back in and taking money out. So you want to keep that flow going. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you have uh, $50,000 in cash value. You borrow $10,000. If you have your cash value is probably going to be $500,000 maybe. that's your death benefit. So if you passed away, the insurance company would subtract the outstanding loan balance before paying out that beneficiary. That's it? Just the loan balance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Dang, I could have been borrowing against my kids' money this whole time? (laughs) Don't say Mm -hmm. that out loud. I'd be like, (laughs) sweet. (laughs) 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, it's, it's super exciting because I think uh, there, maybe there's folks who know about this and they're already doing it, which is great. It's reinforcing something positive that they're doing. Maybe for the first time people are learning about it and now they can do some more homework and research it and do what's best for them. Gina Marie and I are so excited to announce that we are on the board for WO3. What is WO3, you ask? I will tell you, WO3 is a grassroots movement dedicated to supporting women-owned businesses in three ways, partner, promote, and support. Our goal is to create an annual movement on March 27th, 2021, to raise awareness of female-owned businesses and inspire women to look for opportunities to support her all year round. There's evidence that shows that when we support women-owned businesses, we're increasing economic stability in the families and communities they live in. Sign up today at wo3connect.com. Join us in the WO3 movement. You know, I guess one of the final things that I might ask you is if you're somebody that does what we're taught to do, like you said, we go to school, maybe we figure out which level we're going to end. If some people go to college, some people don't. But this is even when you do go to college, there isn't or maybe they're inventing this course and I just don't know about it because I went to college a long time ago. There's a course that's like, do this. And you will make better choices and be better in the end with your money. Are there some just a couple tips that you might give to somebody right now that because they didn't learn in school, that are some basic things that people could walk away with today that's like, man, cool, I can can start doing that. I could do that tomorrow. Is there any advice that you might give like that? Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so for example, um, what we already mentioned about whole life insurance and all the use of it, this is something that banks do. And, and again, they're not going to teach us in school. It's not really like something that would probably be appealing to teachers and students, but this is something that, that banks do is they use whole life insurance to pretty much grow and then borrow against that. And then they leverage their whole life policies to loan out to other people. Now, the good thing about this is that anybody could utilize these strategies. So we could pretty much mimic what banks are doing. And I actually started a podcast called Thinking Like a Bank to show people how to think like a bank. And that's what we actually encourage. We encourage our clients and prospects to think like a bank. And anybody could do so. You don't have to have billions of dollars to think like a bank. If you are making any amount of money, everybody's in the, everybody's in the banking business. And it's just a matter of how we reposition the way we earn and spend our money could make a big difference. And it comes down to thinking like a bank. Why do you, what, what holds people back from doing this? Um, so one big thing is that what they already know about whole life insurance and investing. So a lot of people are kind of taught at a young age from their families or parents um, that whole life insurance is kind of not really the route to go for wealth. It's, a, it's looked at as an expensive product with very minimal returns. And it could be. If it's not structured the right way, it could be that way. 
But of course, we're talking about a properly structured, high early cash value, whole life insurance policy. So these are things that not everybody knows. And even when people listen to like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, they don't, they're not talking about high early cash value life insurance. They're talking about life insurance, just any other life insurance policy that's structured kind of in a different way and doesn't have any returns to it. So, so a lot of people have a kind of their preconceived knowledge of what, what this entails. And, and I think that, you know, uh, schools and kind of from the, from the idea of conventional wisdom, it's more of you, you work, you save up your money, any extra money you have, you put it in a brokerage account, or you go to talk to your local banker, you invest in the stock market, and then you, other, your other money just sits in a checking account and savings account, not earning you any interest, you know, very minimal interest, if anything. And that's the way of life. It's kind of a, a systematic approach. And pretty much you you follow the rules within money, but those rules are based off of the government, what the government wants and what large financial institutions want. In other words, large financial institutions and the government and Wall Street want us to only use banks. They want, they want us to use banks for loans, for us to save our money, to go there for advice, everything that's kind of the goals. Whereas there's, and I'm not saying that's completely wrong, but there's better ways. There's, you can earn higher rates of returns within a, your own whole life policy rather than having in the bank. You could become your own source of financing. So this way you never have to rely on banks to get approved for loans. You could protect your family with the life insurance part. You could, um, le- you don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the stock market when it comes to the growth of your money. So no matter what happens in the stock market, your money will always grow. So kind of leveraging these kind of things or understanding these kind of things will make a big difference compared to conventional wisdom. I want to hear like, what's your favorite story of one of your clients? They came to me and this was, this happened. And then, you know, because they applied your principles, um, this is, this is where they're at now. So I have one client who reached out to me through a referral and he's a husband and his wife works and they have three kids and he owns two businesses. So what he did was he, he utilized seven policies, three for his kids, one for each of his kids, and that's going to help them build guaranteed growth for their college savings. So by the time they're like 18 or 20 years old, they'll have like $70,000 that they can start using for college tuition. This way they can take care of their college education using these policies. The husband and wife now have life insurance on each other. So if something were to happen to one of them, they can continue paying for all of the expenses needed until um, they're up on their feet. And then he also, the husband also owns two businesses. So when we did the policies for the businesses, the business now, each business owns a policy. And then it's a high early cash value policy. And the money that he put into the policy instantly increases the value of the business and also ensures his life too. So if something were to happen to him, his businesses stay in business. He keeps all of employees. Also, he has a line of credit within the business now. So now he could utilize this line of credit without worrying about the bank. And we've, we've covered this with a, a couple of certified public accountants. And I'm not a tax professional, so seek your CPA or your tax professional before doing this. But as he's borrowing that money and paying interest, because he's using that for business purposes, he can write off the interest that he's utilizing within the whole life policy. So now he gets all these tax advantages, the life insurance, the guaranteed growth, the protection for him and his family, the college savings, all kind of wrapped into uh, one portfolio that we built for him. So you're saying that this couple has three kids and two businesses. And so 
they you took out seven policies. How old are they? Yeah, they're in there for about 42 years old. And how like how much is that in a month that they're spending on that? Um, let's see. So the two businesses, those are going to be like single premium amounts of $500,000 each. And so that's that's there's no recurring monthly payments for that. It's just two $500,000 each policies. And then him and his wife are each doing $50,000 a year. And the kids are about a total $1,000 a month for all three. So uh, $12,000, $100,000. So about $112,000 a year in premiums plus an upfront $1 million, $500,000 in each, in each policy. And of course, then the guaranteed growth after that and all that compound interest and all the dividends are going to earn for life after that. So what I'm hearing you say is, okay, so for about $1,000 a month, if you have a, a, a couple, and of course, this is just like an example, obviously, it's not a quote, right? But um, so a couple, three kids, two businesses, $1,000 a month is going to help with all three of their kids' colleges, be able to pull money out and fund things that they might need for their business mm -hmm. and maybe pull out some stuff on themselves and be able to pay off some debt. Yeah. So the thousand is for the kids only. That's just for three policies for the kids. And yeah, it would it would be enough to build up for their college tuition. And the parents, since the parents own the policies, they can access the cash value at any time and then start borrowing and putting money back in as needed. So they have their money in numerous policies growing and compounding. But yeah, the kids' policies are also very powerful. And that's something that people are always kind of like, and I, and I I and I think so myself, it's kind of unusual to have life insurance on kids, but there's it's more about the college savings portion, the cash savings portion uh, of building out these and how powerful they are. For example, uh, 529 college savings plans. In a lot of states, 529 college savings plans are not um, attractive really because of the tax restrictions on them. And the restrictions on what you could use that money for, you in order to get the tax benefits of a 529, you have to use it for, for college. Whereas with the whole life policies, you don't have to use it for college. You could use it for anything. And it ha if, if college happens to be there, you could use it. Like in the state of California, 529 college, 529 college savings plans are not that attractive. And there's really not that many benefits to them. So this would be something really beneficial for people in California as well or anywhere in the country. I'm going to admit something that I don't know that I've, if I've ever said this on the podcast, but... I secretly nerd out on this topic. Oh, I thought that's you were going to do your drug uh, work. No, that's another podcast. <laughs> but I, so, and I'm, I'm, so I'm trying to hold back so that we can, you know, make sure we hear everything from you because I'm like all excited about this. But I could go on for hours and talk about this, but we want to make sure that people don't stop listening because this ends up being too long. So what I do want to ask you though, because I'm sure you've piqued a lot of interest from our listeners, and they might be like, okay, I, I, I need to learn a little more. These books are awesome. How might they reach out to you specifically? We'll make sure to include your contact info and everything into our show notes. Yeah, so the best way to reach out to me is going to our website. It's finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. And there's a link you can schedule a free appointment. And already, as already mentioned, if you reach out to us and just ask for the free book, um, Becoming Your Own Banker or The Bank on Yourself Revolution, I'll send you those books for free. If you just reach out to us, you don't have to schedule a call if you're not ready to, but you can just reach out to us and I'll send you a free copy of either book you'd like. 
Uh, free book. I want, okay. the, I want the copy. I'm reaching. Right? Right? I mean, that's so cool. I mean, yeah. how well, can, I mean, I've, how I've can got, you go wrong? I've got eight kids, but I've got two that will be going to college. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, and we're talking about that now. We're like, okay, this is going to happen. And and planning. I mean, I never planned for any of the other girls to go to school because it was, you know, that was just, that was my mindset. And now, you know. Wes is giving me a different mindset. But when you've got a growth mindset, mm-hmm. you're willing to ask questions and you're willing to learn. Uh, this is, you know, this this is amazing. This is scratching the surface. And I, I truly, truly believe in what you're doing. I think people's financial futures can be so much brighter when they take proactive steps to own, just like you would, like we talked about other things that you want to be great in your future. If you care about your own health and you care about your happiness, this is an area that you should absolutely invest time and energy in. Uh, So we always like to make sure that we infuse something that's important to us into our podcast episodes, which is fun, Fun. because fun is one of our core values. So we're going to ask you a couple questions that are a little bit lighter than whole life insurance and... And uh, banking on yourself, yeah. Right. So we have um, a couple fun questions before we let you go today. So my question is, if there was a Lifetime movie about you, who would be the actor that you would choose to play you and why? Um, Denzel Washington. He's awesome. I, know. I just love him so much. <laughs> He's so versatile. <laughs> How how is his character um, parallel to yours, or you, you know how how can you relate to to him and his character, and what what part of his character? I just feel like sometimes he just doesn't care as far as how far he goes, and and of course I don't want to live like it like a, and he's an actor, so this is probably not how he really is in real life, but I just like the idea of just never giving up, like no matter what. And like going as high as you possibly think you can go or even higher than that even. That's true. He's done a lot of characters, whether they were good or bad, and he always does that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, right. Okay, so my question for you is actually going to be driven by you because you're going to pick a number between 1 and 20, and then I'm going to ask you a question. That it's cor- time for the Blissful Bonus, bonus Question. question. <laughs> So what number do you pick? 18. 18. Okay. Ooh. If you were left on a deserted island with either your worst enemy or no one, which would you choose and why? I, I think my worst enemy, because we probably won't be enemies if we're the only ones deserted together. And we could probably become friends after that. I like it. I like it. I would do that too. I think I have, I know some people who would be alone. Leave me alone. I just want to be alone. <laughs> I would definitely take the enemy. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I could, I would, it would be a challenge. I can't think else. of an enemy, but. Uh, no, of I, course, of course. But I, yeah, but I like it. I like that. Well, you know, we are we are so grateful. Like I said, we we haven't delved into this topic, so we're very excited to be able to share this with folks because it is it's important in general 
you know, for, for people to care about this. And hopefully after they listen to you talk about it, they, they'll care just even yeah, a little more. It's, it's, a great, it's a great discussion to have. And, you know, if you if you haven't already made a plan, what what is your mindset? Um, what direction do you want to go? Do you have a plan? Mm-hmm. And um, what what's that going to look like? Yeah. Or, or just dust off the plan. It's like you said, it's not one of those things where you do it once and then you just let 10 years go by and you don't know. It's just... Maybe not. You have totally different goals than what you did before. So it's always good to reevaluate. Well, we definitely want to thank the people that make this podcast happen. So a shout out to Ava Media Production for the video work that you do for us and Rockwood Audio for making sure that we this whole thing isn't a blooper reel. Thank you to our (laughs) faithful listeners and our subscribers. If you haven't subscribed, you're welcome to do so. You're welcome to do that. You can subscribe and rate and review. We appreciate you. And tell us what you think specifically about this episode. Yeah. And if you want to hear more feedback. Uh, We'd about, love to hear it. about this, we'd mm-hmm. love to know that. And if you want to connect with Sorry, we have all of the information beautifully written out in our show notes. So you could check that out and just make sure to 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 follow your work. Do you have uh, social media stuff that you can give us to so people can follow you? Yeah, just just LinkedIn for now. It's uh, Sarah Ibrahim on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so we could connect there. Awesome. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us and our listeners, all the folks out there. The folks. They're the folks. <laughs> until next time may your faith be greater than your fears and remember you are your only limit so take action today thanks for listening to the The bliss Bliss beyond Beyond fear Fear Podcast. podcast